Hello and welcome to the She Worth podcast. On today's episode, Laura and Kim are going to have a little chat about moving on after a breakup. So if you've ever been in a relationship, you have probably been on either the receiving or the delivering end of a breakup. And we both know for all the parties involved in a breakup, it's pretty hard on us. So hard that it's almost like breaking a bone and our body reacts to it the same way. I didn't know that before watching this episode, but that definitely makes a lot more sense now. This episode is so crazy informative and Laura and Kim go over so many tips and tricks and just the science behind how to make a breakup as easy as possible for everyone involved. So listen up and learn about breakups. to the SheWorth podcast. It's Lara Smith here, and we've got um, co-founder and psychologist Kimberly Mueller. Hi, Kim. Hey, Lara. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, all things romantic relationship breakups we're talking today. And women all over the world are talking about romance and breakups all the time. There's been so much written. There's so much content The truth is we are wired for love. We crave romantic relationships, but the reality is there's more often a breakup than the happily ever after. So these are very frequent occurrences in our lives. And whether we initiate the end or we are on the receiving end of being broken up with, or it's totally mutual, there is a very tough grieving process that we all have to go through. So let's have a casual yet informative conversation on all things romantic breakups. So Kim, what happens to to us during breakups and why are they so hard? Yeah, it's, I think it's an underappreciated phenomenon that happens to pretty much everyone, I would argue at some stage in their lives. and there are very real neurochemical, neurobiological changes that happen as a result of a breakup. I mean, firstly, it's just very upsetting because it's a loss of daily contact with somebody who are used to texting with, hey, how was your day, whatever it was. And, and sort of the abruptness of losing that in and of itself can have a profound psychological effect, you know, but on the more geeky side of things, and this is what I try to explain to, to the women that I, the, the individuals, I mostly work with women, but it, it can go either way, of course, but I try to help them understand that there are like neurobiological changes that happen in the brain when we go through a breakup. Uh, Helen Fisher is a a really famous um, biological anthropologist and she does really interesting studies. Um, And she does, she did a study on um, the effects of breakup in the brain um, using fMRI, which is functional magnetic resonance imaging. Um, It's just a fancy word for taking a snapshot of the brain. And what she found was that the same exact regions of the brain light up when you're going through a breakup, so the emotional pain of a breakup, as when you break your bone. So when we have a physical pain, the same regions of the brain, so it is 
painful. And so I just like to let people know that they feel like, oh, why am I not over this? Why is it so hard for me? I'm going like, no, there are actually changes in your brain. This is difficult. This is something that is going to require time and a grieving process to go through. And not only looking at the what regions the brain light up, but also looking at neurochemically what happens in the brain. Um, it's a little bit like an addiction, right? We're used to getting a steady stream of dopamine, which is sort of the reward neurotransmitter. It makes us feel good it's why we seek out sex and eating and that kind of thing and also serotonin which is a bonding hormone um, we know that after a breakup we have a dramatic drop in those neurotransmitters and so again this is not just in our head in terms of being an emotional person there's actually physiological changes in the brain that happen as a result um, so so that's why it's so hard. It's like, why is it so hard to break your arm? Why is that so painful? Well, it's sort of the same thing with the breakup. Um, and then, yeah, then there's just the emotional part of it. And you mentioned the word grief. And although it's not a loss in terms of a death, it's a loss, right. you know? And so we'll get into it later, hopefully, but we'll sort of explore the stages of grief and, and what happens. So I want to normalize because I think a lot of us beat ourselves up when we're struggling or, um, you know, on the receiving end of a breakup, or even if we've been the one who's initiated a breakup, it's hard. It, like I said, it's been that daily contact with a person. So um, it's, it's a process. And there are some really helpful strategies, which we'll get to later, I hope that we can use to heal from them. But in the initial stages, and, and, and throughout, you know, the phase of the healing process, it's, it's going to take some time, you know, so it's, it's something that, we just assume because everybody goes through it that like we should just get over it. But, and this is true, we do, the tincture of time will help, but to understand the brain and what's happening in it, I think helps us normalize the fact that it may be taking us a while or we're having thoughts that we've never had in terms of, you know, our own mental health. Like that's just a normal withdrawal process as we're going through the end of a relationship that was important to us. I love how you describe all of that. I mean, the physiological changes also the addiction also there's a there has to be an element of failure because it's such an important part of our makeup and what we crave and we're supposed to be with someone when that falls apart or it ends on top of feeling like we've broken our arm plus we're missing out on this addiction level plus we're total failures because we couldn't make it work there's just so much wrapped up in there isn't it Oh, that is so such a good point. And I think that relates so beautifully to the work we do, which is self worth, right? I mean, we do, we feel like a failure. If we were the one who was dumped, it's like, what did I do wrong? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not smart enough? Should I have done this differently? You know, and we just feel I mean, it's, you know, because as you said, we're social creatures, we're wired for connection. So to feel that we've been rejected from the tribe or the village, I mean, that's a very devastating experience. We want to have status amongst our village. And, and sometimes by being in a relationship or having a successful relationship, we feel we have that. And then, oh, there fails another one. Or, you know, this happens. I mean, it's very much a sense of how does this affect our self-worth? How do I feel as a failure? Um, that's such a that's such a great point. You know, we're gonna get into being the recipient or being blindsided with. Um, facing the end of the relationship that we didn't have the choice but from the perspective of someone if we decide to pull the trigger and end the relationship there's often a perception that um, we get off easy and you know in my past I've had to 
deal with, you know, breaking up with someone that I care about greatly and they're a great person and we had a good run. And oftentimes, perhaps socially, we're conditioned that this is going to stand the test of time. Like there's nothing in our psychology for if we have a two to three to five year great run and we've enjoyed each other's company and it, it ran its course, it's not necessarily a failure except for there's habit, there's a social structure of mutual friends. Sometimes you're living together, so there's financial ramifications. But we've all endured relationships that we know they're not working for us. They're not serving our needs. We're not having a great time. The nostalgia of the early days of that hot, passionate, exciting honeymoon phase is long gone. And we're just in a daily grind in a relationship that's not working for us. And the reasons why we drag it out when we know we should be dealing with it I kind of like to compare it to getting your wisdom teeth out, right? Like they're not helping us. They could cause us health problems, but it's a giant painful ordeal to go through the actual getting the wisdom teeth out, even though we know we'll be better off, right? Yeah. So we go through the feelings of feeling guilty. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do to this person who's either dependent on me emotionally? Um the fear of unknown. So many people stay in relationships because the thought of being alone is actually worse than being in a relationship that they don't even like the relationship anymore. So, you know, it, it, it is on that side too, that it causes stress and duress for someone, even if they're the one initiating the breakup. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think that I would like, I'm curious, like given that experience and then of course everything that we've talked about like how does one know when it's time to end a relationship like what are the things that we should be tuning into um given your wisdom teeth example and no longer ignoring what what have you experienced in that regard like when is it a sign that it's time to end it because i think women's i think people struggle with knowing that yeah it's just funny right we get into these habits and it's just the, this like groundhog day this is my life this is my relationship when we start becoming slightly apathetic about their feelings, when we start to look for excuses not to spend time together, when we start to not doing all of the little things that we know make them so happy, like what are their love languages? When we stop wanting actively to do those things for people, when their little annoyances that were cute at the beginning start to become real annoyances, when we can't imagine truly enjoying their their company for endless months and years on end when there's ongoing fighting and when I I'm going to take off the table if there's abuse or infidelity that are just dramatic events in a romantic relationship I'm just talking about the general you know a normal relationship that doesn't have big dramatic events when when you're starting to have those things creep up in your relationship when we're causing fights just for like, I'm going to cause an event that's a fight that maybe can be excused to end, be more graceful than that. You know, just people appreciate straight up. This isn't working. I care about you a lot, but it's, uh, we don't see a future together anymore. That's way better and easier in both of you than dragging it out and looking for fights and looking for problems. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's so true. I mean, there, there it's subtle, isn't it? But it's like, it's tuning into the things that we might be ignoring and just overcompensating for and realizing like, this isn't helping. And one thing I like to say is, is this affecting your, your mental or your physical health, right? People who are not happy in relationships, they struggle with insomnia 
or um, maybe their eating habits or drinking habits might change. Um, their, immune, their immune system can even be depleted. Why? Because if we're in a stress state, if we're releasing cortisol, because we don't really want to be in it, but we're in it, and so we're kind of in that fight or flight mode, it's going to have a dramatic impact on our physical health, let alone our mental health, right? Is our anxiety up? Is our depression up? Um, are we struggling with even periods of, you know, neglecting our ourselves because, you know, we're just so distraught by thinking about what to do about the relationship. I mean, when it starts to affect our physical health and our mental health, it's like, we need to tune into that, right? Like that is something that we may not right away make the correlation that it's due to the relationship. Um, but if you ponder alternatives, like, well, what if I were out of this, how would I feel? You know, or like you said, do I see myself, you know, gallivanting, you know, 10 years from now and enjoying this relationship? If the answer is no, you have to really ask yourself, okay, is this something that I need to like take a stand on? Right. And I think sometimes, you know, it's any attention is better than no attention, even if it's bad attention, right. In some ways, like even if there's toxicity and there's fighting, it's like, well, at least it's known and it feels that I'm in something. Right. And so we kind of, just keep seeking that out. But yeah, and, and when we drag out the ending, as you were alluding to, it's just more painful for all parties involved. And it just builds up resentment. And, you know, it's it's tuning into those signs as early as possible, I think, right. of knowing when to end it. You know, people, an old school mentality would have probably perpetuated the thought that the grass isn't greener out there that it's, we're so tied to the need to have um, a romantic partner that we fail to look at ourselves on what makes us happy in our own world without the romantic partner. And it's, if we're in a relationship that isn't serving us, how on earth could that be better than just being alone? Yeah. This is what women deal with and talk about, you know, in either the SheWorth community or women all over the world, that they're just so craving the happy ending and the romance that they don't even look and go, I'm in love with myself. Absolutely. And I think that would be another sign too. Like, are you compromising yourself in the relationship just to make it work, right? Are you forgoing your healthy habits or your routines or, you know, those kinds of things? It's like, we forget about that, that we have to be able to, in a healthy relationship to truly show up as we are. Like, that's what we want. We want it to be in addition to our lives, the relationships that we're in, not something, I mean, obviously there's compromise in every relationship, but as you said, it's like, can I be happy as myself in this? And then they just are an extra bonus, right? It's like, well, they only enhance it even more. Like that's a beautiful thing, but it is, it's looking at, you know, how can I create the life that is going to make me happy? And then if it's the right relationship, it's only going to add to that, you know? And when we're compromising, on our own values, our own ha healthy habits and that kind of thing. It's, it's time to really rethink things. Totally. I have to think that when we are in the receiving end of being broken up with or dumped in a more crass way, we must obsess about what, you know, you alluded to it earlier. What did I do wrong? What could I do better? What can I do to get him back? I'm going to get my revenge body on. <laughs> He's going to see me out and re regret dumping me or whatever. Like, do women obsess about this in your practice and, and how, and how do you help them kind of get past that? Far too much, far too much. I think, I think it's natural. And I think there's a healthy dose of, can we derive a lesson from this about ourselves and our vulnerabilities or, you know, what did that relationship 
bring out in me? What can I learn from this to make myself better? But that's it. Once we derive the lesson, we need to move on. But what I see is women obsess about it and they try to find all these, this reasoning. And it's often, you know what? He's just not that into you anymore. Or <laughs> this relationship ran the, the test of time. You know, it's nothing to do with you personally. You still have all the assets, right? But that particular combination at that moment in time is no longer meant to be, you know? But I think we need to allow ourselves a little bit of that reflection. I think anytime we've gone through any sort of negative emotional event, it's there's often a lesson to be derived from it. You know, what was it about that relationship that made you happy? Did it activate parts of you that you didn't know were possible? Mm-hmm. But if we start to go inward and try to find every little fault inside of us, oh, I said this, I should have said this, then we'd still be in the relationship. Or if I had worn, you know, some sexier lingerie, maybe it would have lasted. I mean, none of this matters, right? It's like two individuals in time and one of them is just deciding we don't have to personalize it so much you know what i mean we need to drive the lesson and then move on because we can spend a lifetime we can always find a fault that may have contributed to it but oftentimes it's it's a useless endeavor to try to find that in ourselves it's if there's any good lesson broad lesson drive it and then move on um, so yeah, I think we do far too much of that, but you know, it is part of the, um, like we talk about the grief process, right? It's like, we have to go through the different stages, right? And I think sort of thinking about what we could have done differently in that kind of, that's a stage, right? I would say that's a stage of a heartbreak, but if we're still doing it six months later and thinking we could have done things differently, that might be a little too long. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. I think if a relationship is ending, in the perfect world, you wake up one day and go, you know what? I think this isn't working. And your partner goes, you're absolutely right. You hug, wish each other well, and you move on with great memories. That doesn't always, that doesn't happen most of the time. So it's ending for a reason that something isn't working. From our own personal growth perspective, once we get past the initial grief or anger, is it worth looking back and going, hmm, my ex, And my six exes before that said I was needy and insecure and controlling. Is there worth, like, should we take away any personal growth opportunity so that we can bring about our best selves for us and the potential for a future relationship? Is there value to that? Oh, absolutely. I think so. I think it's hard. Sometimes it takes a few losses to get it knocked into our head. (laughs) That might be the case. I mean, number one, we have to consider the source, I think, because sometimes the person who breaks up with us could be unfairly um, accusing us of being needy or insecure or something. But if it is a pattern, it's worth looking in the mirror and discussing it with someone and be radically honest about it, because that's the only way we're going to improve ourselves. So I like what you said, that it's a growth opportunity if we start to see trends, you know, and 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 because but to always consider the source you know just because they said it doesn't mean there's everything about it is true but there's probably a grain of truth you know Mm -hmm. and it's worth healing that part of ourselves and really shining a light on it so that we can show up better in our in our future relationships but it starts as we always say at she work it's an inside job you know and um sometimes that acknowledgement can be painful but that's really the only way to grow yeah totally when I was researching this, all things break up. The most common search term that I came across was 
How long is it going to take for me to feel better? And what can I do to feel better sooner? So help us understand the work you do with your clients on taking them through the healing process from that first day of getting the, the call, it's over to wait a second, I'm me again, or I feel good. What's involved in that process? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because it, it really, and all the women that I've worked with, it's pretty standard in terms of what actually helps. Like I, I, there's not a lot of ambiguity to it, right? The first stage is, allow yourself to feel the, feel the feels, right? The emotion of it, reach out to the girlfriend, cry, watch your movies, whatever you need to do. Um, and I explain the stages of grief, which is the acronym is DABDA, which is depression, anger, uh, no, so denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And then there's thinking about adding a sixth um, step in the stages, which is finding meaning, um, which I really like, you know, which is sort of what we're alluding to in, in finding the lesson that we can learn about ourselves as a result of the breakup. But so we need to understand that and we might cycle through those and it's not going to be linear. It's going to be like one day we could be feeling great and feel like, you know what, I got this. I think I'm over it. And then tank the next day. Don't catastrophize about that. That's completely normal. That's just, it's nonlinear, you know, so give yourself that grace. But the number one recommendation truly, and this is the hardest one for people to do, is no contact. Oh, it's, I know. It really is painful for both parties for the reasons I alluded to earlier, which is you're used to reaching out to this person every day from sharing texts to having a good night phone call. Like, mm -hmm. it's like a limb is cut off, you know, and... Mm -hmm. And it's hard for the dumpy and it's hard for the dumper to do that because you, you've cared for each other. Clearly, you've been in a relationship. The problem with maintaining intermittent contact is when we liken it to an addiction, right? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like if you haven't had a beer for 15 days and then you have one, it lights up those reward pathways again. And it almost makes the cravings even stronger. Whereas if we just had abstained for, say, 30 days, it would truly start to get easier. So as hard as it is, I always say, just start with 30 days. Mm -hmm. Just start with 30 days and then you can reassess if you think it's a good um, idea to reach out. By that time, you're probably going to be feeling more stable. I prefer we go 45 to 60, um, but we don't want to bite off more than we can chew or overwhelm people. But it is, it's um, deleting their email, getting off their social media feed, um, deleting their phone number. And then the antidote to that is positive distraction, right? You have to find the parts of you that you had maybe put on the shelf due to the relationship, right? Like the healthy habits that maybe you gave up or your painting that you used to love to do, but no longer had time to because you were dating somebody, you know? Um, though this is the time to start to become a better version of yourself and refine who it is that you are because it serves two functions. Number one, you're going to move on faster. And number two, it's going to, get you out of the obsessive mindset of wanting to reach out on those really weak days where you just think, Oh, what one phone call, one email can't hurt, but it right. does, you know, in particular, it actually hurts the person who's been dumped even more because then they get that false sense of hope and you're just trying to be nice, but they're, they're going, Oh, what did that mean? Did that, Oh, does, she, does he or she want to get back with me? You know, it's very unfair. Um, so staying busy and positive distraction, of course, friends. This is the time when you need people in your life to reach out to. Um, 
they're going to be there for you. They're going to talk you through it. They're going to call you on your shit. If it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you need to get over this and, or help you learn the lesson. Um, relying on social connections, you know, alternative social connections because you used to rely on the relationship so much. Um, and of course, um, a professional, if you really feel like you're struggling um, because it is a withdrawal for many people and there can be a very depressive um, state as a result, um, maybe even thinking about harming oneself, that's when you need to reach out to a professional. You may need to consider medication because we know there is that drop in serotonin and dopamine. Um, maybe a short course of an antidepressant such as Zoloft might just be the bridge that you need to get you through. Um, but don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be ashamed that this is so hard for you. You know, it's, it's a very real phenomenon that is having a significant impact on your brain health. So yeah, don't be afraid to reach out. What else, what else did I miss? What has helped you in relationships and getting over them? Would you say? Well, I think, you know, there's a few things and you'll find what works best for you. Um, you know, everyone has different kind of tools, but I would say something that's helped even as somebody who's had to end a relationship or relationships, um, I actually, you start to nostalgicize the good and you look back, it's like, well, that wasn't so bad because you're kind of out of the fire. But then I had a go-to list of these are all the things that didn't work, why we weren't compatible, what caused us grief because you kind of start to forget those things and when I would ever go back to that list before I'm about to send a message because it would have been our whatever anniversary and I'm starting to feel nostalgic I'm like wait there's all the reasons why we're not together and it's not going to help them any if I message them the no contact thing I can't emphasize how important and helpful that is the second you do make that reach out it's like you're starting AA from scratch <laughs> like we had our 30 day button or pin or coin or whatever <laughs> you're starting from ground zero right because all of that being comes up so I think you know I have a girlfriend that's gone through a breakup recently and when she's heard from her ex that just said about a whole rush for motion and it sent her backwards. So don't reach out, delete everything because the second we have three glasses of rosé, we're texting our ex <laughs> and absolutely no breakup sex. <laughs> Very true. That's right? really lighting don't up do the it. pathway. <laughs> no, and, but we should add the caveat that if you have had a breakup and you still have to co-parent with the, with the individual, that yeah. adds, you know, you have to have your own modified version of no contact, which is it's only if it has to do with, you know, the children. Other than that, I'm not discussing anything else. Like it has, it's boundaries, right? right. It's really creating a structured plan because there are a lot of people that have to deal with that reality. Um, you have to create a modified version of no contact, but it's still an intentional type of no contact aside from, you know, logistics of, of children, I think um, we need to remember. Um, so, yeah, and I love your idea of having that list because we do look back with rose-colored glasses and fantasize um, and romanticize what the relationship was. So when we're in a sane state of mind or when, with a, when we're with a girlfriend who can help us remind us because she's been with us through it of the negative aspects of it, it's great to have that as a go-to. That's a good tool. Yeah. So let's connect it back to she-worth and self-worth, you know, as it relates to ending a relationship, getting the phone call that it's over or agreeing to um, part ways mutually, how do we connect it to our own value as a human being? Yeah, it's tough because I think our self-worth takes a hit. 
after a breakup. You know, if you if you're the on the receiving end of it, um, it does, and it makes us sort of look at ourselves. But I think that we need to realize that this has been going on since the dawn of time. Relationships don't always work out. You know, it's not because the people who were dumped in the past were not worthy or or bad people. It's just that it had it often has nothing to do with you as the individual. It's just you two people are no longer compatible and we cannot internalize the the effects of rejection as much as we do i think it's natural but then we need to get our logical brain on and go okay it feels like a death but it's not this is i'm still worthy i'm gonna learn a ton from this um it just wasn't the right relationship for me long term what do you think how do you tie it back to self-worth in your experience you know, it's interesting when you come out of the other side of the grieving process, and you take a few months and you've got some new patterns. When you look back, um, hindsight is always so clear and you realize, hold on a second, I'm worth more. That relationship didn't serve me. I am better than that. I deserve to be treated better for all the good and bad in me. He didn't appreciate the bad or the good. And for all those reasons, we're not together anymore, but I am a better, happier person without being in that relationship any longer. And for that, your self-worth can thrive because you had the brave moment. You went through the breakup. You did all these positive things to recover. And then you realize, hold on a second, they didn't appreciate me or it wasn't working out. But bottom line, I love myself for all the good and bad. And I'd rather be alone than be with someone who doesn't appreciate that. So I think there is an opportunity for you to find your self-worth and fall in love with yourself again and make sure that you stay true to that before you allow someone in again. Wow. That's wow. That's so good. I couldn't agree more. That's beautiful. That's why we're doing what we're doing, Kim. I know. I know. But I think the important thing to remember with that is you said hindsight is 2020, right? That is so hard to conceptualize in the acute phase of, you know, after it's happened, but you got to believe everyone who's been through it that with the tincture of time, that that understanding and that truth really does come through. Like you said, hold a sec, hold on a second. I'm worth more than that. That right. I, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm no longer in that. Right. But it does take time. And that's why you need to use these very, you know, specific sort of strategies like the no contact, reaching out to friends, positive distraction, um, maybe professional help. You got to get through that acute phase to get to that deeper understanding and to see your worth um, mm. as as a as a good outcome um, as a result of being brave. And also, I think that the other thing I want to remind people of is when we've been through a heartbreak in some way, I think we need to celebrate that. That means we have the capacity to love. We have the capacity to deeply care and put ourselves out there and be vulnerable in a relationship. So, you know, what's the alternative? Like not to try, you know, and not to learn about ourselves. So it's like good for you for being brave and, you know, knowing that that exists within you. Right. I think that's another lesson that we can learn, you know, post post breakup. Well, all things breakups, we will have on our website, check out sheworth.org for a one page downloadable, which summarizes some of the tools that we talked about today and keep checking out SheWorth and the SheWorth podcast. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Kim. That was awesome. All right. See ya.
What an episode. There's so many takeaways in this and we even compiled all the resources Kim and Laura talk about in this episode into one document that's printable and free on our website. So all you got to do is head to www.sheworth.org and head to the resources tab and you're going to find under the free downloadable PDF, the moving on from a breakup PDF. And that has every strategy you could need for moving on from a breakup. We just want to take a second to thank you for listening to our podcast. We love to get our message out there, but we need your help. So if you could subscribe, download a few episodes, tell your friends about us, or even just tag us on Instagram, DM us, tell us your favorite takeaway from the episode. We would love to hear it. We just want to remind you quickly that you are worthy and thank you for listening.